Yes, and good morning to you. It is good to be in the house of the Lord, and we want to thank you for coming. I always think we ask, you know, just it's just good that you guys choose to come to church. And I want to say God's blessings on you for that. You make it a priority, not shooting anybody that doesn't. Just let you know I'm glad as your pastor that you have chosen to do that today. And here we find ourselves way down into our summer series of biblical mindset training. And today's message is entitled Apples of Gold. Did you know, by the way, that if you have a medium-sized apple, all right, and it was made of gold, that it would be worth approximately $10,000, actually $10,650, Isn't that amazing? Apples of gold. So you might say then, at least I would probably if I was sitting there today, I might say, okay, Dwayne, so what exactly does a $10,650 apple have to do with biblical mindset training and, for that matter, the armor of God? Well, that's a really good question, and we're going to find out. Now, there's a great scripture in Proverbs 25.11 that begins to answer the question, okay? Proverbs 25.11, this is a great word, um, and we're going to go both, both ways. You'll see it in just a moment. But Proverbs 25.11 says, A word fitly spoken is like apples, ah, oh, there's our sermon title, is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. A word fitly spoken. And you know, throughout history, there have been so many words that were fitly spoken. Um, coming back from England now almost a month ago, you know, we think something's old when it's 200 years old, and they think something's old when it's about 1,000 years old. And then, of course, there's parts in the Middle West Middle East that you have to go back a couple of thousand years ago for something to be considered even old. But we have some great fitly spoken words in our history of one of which you'll be very familiar with. It's the Declaration of Independence. And here's what it started. And and just relish these words, um, mostly attributed to Thomas Jefferson. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. They are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. That among these is life, our life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now those are fitly spoken words and part of our declaration of independence. Well, all fitly spoken words... Sometimes we struggle with because even though we wrote this, we all know that at the time this was written, slavery was legal throughout the United States, and men, men and women and children were held in bondage even though we said that they are, they are endowed with certain unalienable rights, you know, such as the pursuit of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So even though something is fitly spoken doesn't always mean it works out all right. In fact, it's interesting, um, 200 years later, approximately, uh, Martin Luther King was speaking at the great gathering on the mall there in a, string, a, scene, a speech that has been entitled, I Have a Dream. And part of his I Have a Dream speech was this. 200 years after we wrote what we wrote about the Declaration of Independence. I have a dream that one day on the hill, red hills of Georgia, 
The sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream. So we have words that are definitely fitly, fit, fitly spoken that sometimes just don't work out easily. Easily. So even though we had these words fitly spoken, and it seems like they're such apples of gold, they don't always work out. But there are some words. There's no words more fitly spoken, and that is the word of God. The word of God. If there ever was a word fitly spoken and a word that is strong and true, it can only be the apples of gold in a silver setting that we find in the word of God. Lee Robertson, a teacher, said this. He said, the Bible is like a gold mine. My goodness, what true words. Promises, hope, assurance, truth, and a thousand other adjectives just begin to touch it. The Bible is like a gold mine waiting for someone to discover and take out its riches. This precious book that we call the Word of God is just waiting to be discovered by the people of God. Back in 1855, gold was discovered in California. And as the word spread, thousands of people left whatever they had and rushed to the gold rush, rushed to find gold. And I said to myself, I said, Oh, Father, would your people be like those that rushed to the gold fields of California? May we rush to this rich gold mine that Lee Robertson calls the Word of God. In Psalm 19, and Psalm 19 is one of the richest psalms. I, I, I said, as I read this this week, I said, you know, we need to teach, teach the Psalm 19, the whole thing. And we have probably in the past, but one thing I know is that, that we don't always learn it all the first time. But C.S. Lewis, talking about Psalm 19, C.S. Lewis, and C.S. Lewis was just a great teacher. He was an agnostic, and through his wife's faith, he became a Christian and a great spokesman for the Word of God. And C.F. Lewis said, I take this to be the greatest poem in the Psalms and one of the greatest lyrics in the world. And part of, part of Psalm 19 is verse number 10. And and I, to make it easier to read, I think in your translation, if you look at your Bible or your electronic device, it probably says the word they. But to make it easier to read, I simply transcribe because they are the words of God. So the word of God is more desirable than gold, than an abundance of pure gold, and sweeter than honey, which comes from the honeycomb. Now, let me tell you what makes this rich. What makes this rich? Of course, the fact that it's the Word of God. But what makes it rich is, is that these words were written by King David. And the Word of God that he had were simply the five, first five books of the Old Testament. That's all the Word of God that he had. And yet he writes this and says the Word of God 
is more desirable than gold. Now, if anybody knew about gold, it was King David because he was incredibly rich. But he said, he said, you know, when I want to, when I want to experience true riches, I, I don't go to my, my gold storage place. And then he said it even more. He said, in fact, when I really want to experience what is truly, truly rich, you know, so rich that it would be an abundance of pure gold. When, when I want to go, I go past all the, the low-grade low gold. I go past that. And if I went into my, my super-secret security place, and there was the purest of all golds, and there's not a little bit of it, there's a bunch of it, David would say. Better than that. Better than the low-grade gold. Better than the purest gold in abundance is the word of God. Isn't that powerful? Isn't that powerful? In so many places in the world, they don't even have a, a copy of the Word of God. They would die for a copy of the Word of God. But I didn't do it, but I'll tell you about it. I went in my office, and I picked up five or six Bibles. One was my daddy's. We gave it to him on Father's Day in 1974, I believe it was. He was to die later that year uh, of, a, of a heart attack. And then there's my name and my brother's name, the two that gave it to him. And then I have my mama's Bible. And my mama's Bible was a translation, early translation of the Living Bible. And in her Bible, I would find two things. I would find a copy of an article about cancer of which she later would die of. And then I would find my daddy's obituary. And then I've got Roy Smith Allen the biggest redneck in Georgia, and that was Judy's daddy. He was a deacon, but boy, was he a redneck. And I got his Bible, too. And then I got Judy's Bible when she was a teenager. And written in the front cover was something she wrote in the summer of 1975 at June at camp. It's her testimony that she discovered Jesus Christ, and her desire was, was that everybody would come to know Jesus like she did. And the final Bible I had was one my mama gave me in 1975 on my birthday, January the 6th. And it said to my son, Dwayne Taylor. And it lists some of the precious references that she knew from the Word of God. Those books are precious to me. But they are mostly precious because they are the Word of God. They are valuable. David also said... He goes, when I want uh, my decadent table, my table that's spread richly with all the things, when I want to taste the sweetest thing, there's only one thing, and that's honey. They didn't have refined sugar and all of that, but his table will be garnished with this high-grade quality honey, as he has, says, from the honeycomb. But he said, when I want to taste the sweetest thing in life, I, I don't go to the honeycomb. He said, I go to... The word of God. So you see that David thought the word of God was more valuable than gold, more valuable than pure gold in abundance. It was sweeter than the sweetest honey that he had from the honeycomb. David thought highly of the word of God. And may I suggest that we also should think highly of the word of God. Well, so then you're about still saying, Brother Dwayne, um, so what does all of that have to do with 
biblical mindset training, and what does it have to do with apples? And the answer is found in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, where, where Paul now draws together. He's, he's told us about, you know, we should wear the belt of truth. Remember, we talked about relative truth and absolute truth. Um, he said we should wear the breastplate of righteousness, and we talked about the two kinds of righteousness, Jeanette. We talked about the, the righteousness um, that, that was self-righteousness, the things we try to do to earn God's favor, which always fails. And then we have the imputed righteousness of Jesus, which never fails. We talked about that. We talked about our shoes shod with the preparation, the readiness of the gospel, being ready, being ready to share the gospel, and being ready for the next chapter that God has in our life. And being ready for eternity. We talked about the shield of faith. Where we can quench the fiery darts. And we talked about without faith. It's impossible to please God. How faith is not an option in our lives. That's the very essential of our lives. And we talked about. Paul said put on the helmet. That was just last week. And remember, we talked about we, we were saved a day in history, and we're being saved. That's our day-by-day walk. And then ultimately we will be saved, and that is called heaven. And then Paul comes along and says this in Ephesians 6, 17b. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This fitly spoken, remember we talked about it, the fitly spoken are like apples of gold, and there's no more fitly word than the word of God. And then Paul comes along and says, now listen, now listen. You need to take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. You see, there was nothing more valuable to a Roman soldier than his sword. It was usually a short thrust sword, sharpened on both edges and a point at the end. And he would lunge with it and he would swing it and cut and a soldier without his sword was doomed to death. A soldier valued his sword. And we, look at me, we should value our sword. And our sword is not, I've got several in my office at home. I've got a United States Marine Corps sword. I've got a Torek battle sword. Um, I've got several. But our sword are not those kind of weapons. Our sword is the word of God. And just like the Roman soldier valued his sword, we should value ours also. Um, Billy Graham uh, quoted and said this, The sword of the Spirit, the Bible, is the weapon God has provided. Now that is just valuable right there. The sword of the Spirit, the Bible, is the weapon God has provided. Now, you do understand, look at me, you do understand we're in warfield, warfield don't you? We're, we're, we're in spiritual warfare, and we are on a battlefield. We are, that's where we live. You need to understand that. And the battle is getting hotter every day. The more, mm, 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 the more God pushes Satan in a corner, the more ferocious he's going to fight. I love what something Roth shared with me. He was talking about Rock Clayton. He was talking about his life and how that, you know, he went through a hard, hard time in his life and how that when he recommitted his life to Christ, life got not better, it got harder. He was sharing with one of his friends. He said, I don't understand this. I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm trying to live for God. And Satan's just messing with me. And you know what his friend said? Roth, before you got right with God, you weren't, you weren't worth messing with. 
How's that for truth? How's that for truth? So, so we've got this wonderful sword, and we are in warfare. But look what he says specifically. The sword of the Spirit, the Bible, is the weapon God has provided for us to use in this, in this battle. Well, what battle, Dwayne? Between truth and deception. Listen. The battle for your family, the battle for your children, the battle for your grandchildren, the the battle for your character, the the, the battle for your integrity, all boils down to this. There's a battle going on. It's between truth and deception. And our weapon is the Word of God. That's why you just can't depend on some teacher to stand on this stage and give you everything you need for all week. You've got to draw your sword every day in a thing called quiet time. And meditation with the word of God. Billy Graham goes on and says that this sword, we must use it skillfully. We must use it skillfully. The writer of Hebrews continues the idea and the thought of the word as a sword. In Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 12, uh, the author says, I say the author, by the way, we don't know who wrote Hebrews. Okay? So, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It's alive. Let me, let me get my notes and read the, the adjectives that were used in the commentary. When, when this, this word in the Greek, it means to be living, living, um, life-changing, dynamic, dynamic, um, breathing life. Those are some of the adjectives that the commentary used to describe the Word of God. The Word of God is alive, it is not stagnant, It's unlike any other book. It's not stagnant. It's alive. And it says it is powerful. There's a great scripture over in Jeremiah 23, uh, 29. Uh, Is that right? Yeah, yeah. 23, 29. I I don't remember reading this verse. I read the Bible through, so I know I did, but it didn't stick. But God is talking about his word, and he says it's like a hammer that pulverizes a rock. It's like a hammer that... That pulverizes a rock. And, and the word powerful um, in the Greek means to cause or affect change. And so the author of Hebrews is saying the word of God causes and affects change. And it's powerful like a hammer that pulverizes a rock. That is just totally awesome. He goes on and says this. It is sharper. Now notice what it says. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. That Roman soldier would be sharpened on, the sword would be sharpened on both edges so he could mow down the enemy in a swinging motion. And, and the author says, it is sharper than a two-edged sword. Now here's the part that's, that's interesting. Cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. Now, we want to make a big deal of that, but, and it's a little bit gruesome, but the idea is just like a sword of a Roman soldier could open the enemy up. So the word, oh, this is good. So the word of God opens us up and exposes what's on the inside. See, outside, we may look pretty good. Outside, you know, we, we talk right, do right, dress right, watch the right things on TV, do that. But how, how are we on the inside? Well, the word of God, the, the author of Hebrews says, it's like a sword that opens us up and exposes ourselves, sometimes to others, but most certainly to God. So we have this teaching point then, and I, I wish I'd made this even stronger. You know, the Word of God never grows stale or out of date. 
When, when the author in Hebrews said the word of God is alive, okay, it doesn't grow stale. Isn't it amazing? Have you thought about this? That, that the newest parts of the Bible were written about 1,800 years ago, 1,900 years ago, and yet it's still fresh today. It's still fresh today. I hope, I hope you have personally discovered, as you read the Word of God, you read something, and it's like God is speaking to you right then. Right then. And, and you read the Word of God, and it's just like, it's like a loaf of bread taken out of the oven and waiting for the hot butter. That's the Word of God. It's, it's never out of date. It's never out of date. I remember listening to a sermon by Andy Stanley, and he did a lot of research. And his purpose of the message was not to condemn um, the, the Muslim faith. They talked about how, you know, that, that with the Koran, the Muslim Bible, that they admit and will acknowledge that Muhammad had various revelations. And they will tell you that they know and understand that the Koran contradicts itself. And so the job, they have scholars whose job it is, is to determine what was the latest revelation of Muhammad. And that's the one they own. That's the one they want. Guess what? We don't have a committee. Because our God wrote a book that never needed to be revised. That's a place for an amen. We have a book, the Word of God, that needs no revision. Oh, we have different translations, but not different revisions. God never had to change it because he got it right the first time. And that is such awesome news. It never grows stale. It never grows out of date. And I realize y'all will appreciate this. The second service, not so much. Because let's just be honest, we're a bit older in the first service than the second service. Okay? But we've got this. It's as fresh as today's paper. We know what that means. But did you know there's a whole generation that has no clue what that means? Because so many papers have been gone out of date. But we used to get papers delivered to our house and open the paper up and there was the freshest news. Well, the word of God is as fresh as today's paper. Jesus said in John 6, 63, the second part, you know, the words that I have spoken to you are spirit. They are puma. They are air. They are life. They're alive. They're alive and they're life. Or they're alive and they're life. That's what Jesus said about the word. Now, what makes the Bible different? What makes the Bible different? And I think probably 2 Corinthians, or 2 Timothy, Timothy 3, 16, uh, A and B really tells what makes the Bible different. You know, all scripture, Paul wrote, all scripture is inspired by God. And that literally, in, again, in the Greek means God breathed. So it's not some people's opinion, okay? God used men to write, but they're not they're, their thoughts. They were God's thoughts, and God's hand guided their hands, okay? So, so all Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, if it's in the Bible, all Scripture is God-breathed. It's inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true. I have no problem with that. I think that's great. In the world today, we need to know what is true, guys. Because culture is telling us that this is right, and this is right, and this is right, and this is right. And what we were taught all our lives was wrong. Now they're saying it's right. We need to know what's true. Don't turn to Oprah. Turn to God's Word. Turn to God's Word. So I like this one. It's useful to teach us what is true. And I like the second one. I just wrestle with it. 
And it also to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. I, I don't do criticism well. You know, some of y'all would be kind, especially, you know, don't really go to the back door in first service. But in second service, I'll go, and there might be 20 people who say, that was a great message. And then somebody will come along and go, you know, you talked just a little bit too long today. Well, guess what I'm going to take home? You talked a little bit long today. I just don't do criticism well. You may have said something to me with a good heart, and, and it, but it was a little bit critical, and I'll go home, and I'll just, I'll just put a, you know, what Les McDonald used to call Old Blue Monday. I don't do criticism well, and I don't do it well sometimes from people, and I don't sometimes do it well with the Word of God. When I do my quiet time in the morning and I know I misspoke or something the day before or misacted the day before and God convinces me, I don't always like that. But the Word of God's job is to teach us what's true and also help us to realize what is wrong in our lives. The second part of verse 16 lays it out even clearer. It corrects us when we are wrong. Man, that's why we don't want to read our Bible so much. I mean, that's why I resist reading my Bible sometimes, because it teaches me when we are wrong and corrects us and, and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people. That, you should underline that. If you had to be taking notes today, that's an underlinable statement. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good that's why the, value, the Word of God is different. It's God-breathed, it's God-inspired, and it's purposeful. It teaches us what's true, it shows us what's wrong, and it shows us what is right. Now, Steve Maraboli, okay, is a public speaker, not a preacher, but here's what he said. Um, God's Word is not just to be heard and respected. God's word is not just to be heard and respected. It is to be breathed. In other words, it becomes an integral part of my life. When I stop breathing, I start dying. Okay? So the word of God should be such that it becomes part of our lives. It is to be lived out in our lives. I like this. And emulated. Emulated. Acted out. Copied in our lives with each action. He is spot on. That should be the impact of the word of God for us. So, one more thing. How should we respond? What should we do with the Word of God? Well, in Matthew, in chapter 4, verse 4, you might remember this is where Jesus is being tempted. He has not eaten for 40 days. Did you hear that? He has not eaten for 40 days. Jesus or not, God or not, the human body needs food. He's not eaten for 40 days. He's led by the Spirit out into the desert and Satan says this, hey, since you're the son of God, why don't you turn these stones into bread? And our first thought is, well, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with that is, is Satan saying, hey, why don't you take care, since God's not meeting your need, why don't you take care of this yourself? Ever had that temptation before? Since God's not meeting your need, why don't you take care of this yourself? And Jesus responded, and I love the first words. He said, it is written. He responds with the word of God. And it should be, his response should be our response. But he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every 
word that comes out of the mouth of God. What? More important, more important than bread, Jesus says. More important than biscuits and gravy for breakfast in the morning. More important than meatloaf and mashed potatoes for supper. Okay? More important than that is every word that comes from the mouth of God. This thing called the Bible is the most important thing in our life here. You know, Jesus was called the Word. You know, the Word was made flesh, referred, and sent became flesh. You know, the Word is Jesus, but the Word is the Word of God. It's God's revelation to us. And guys, it has to be a priority in our lives. It has to be a priority in our lives. Now, come back next week because we're going to talk about prayer next week. And part of the sermon is we're going to talk about bringing into our prayer life the Word of God, the Word of God. Would you bow your heads right there, please? So if you're here today, if you're here today and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, um, I want to encourage you. I'll be standing down front, and boy, I'd love to share with you what happened in my life uh, now 45 years ago. I would glad to share that with you. Um, most of the folks in this room have experienced that, and uh, we would love to have you come and hear more about that. But if you're a Christian today, if you're a Christ follower, if you've made that decision already, it's a decision you're going to have to make. The best motivational speaker in the world cannot convince you to do this. The best preacher in the world, teacher in the world, cannot convince you to do this. It's between you and the Holy Spirit. But I am hoping that through the knowledge you receive today, that the Word of God is the most fitly word spoken more valuable than a $10,650 apple is the Word of God. And that you'll make it a priority starting today to make that an essential part of your life. Essential part of your life. So God, thank you for the privilege of sharing your Word today. Thank you for letting the Word speak about the Word. Because it's the best testimony and witness. Father, there is someone here today who's never trusted Jesus. May today be that day. Give them courage to step out and come out and take me by the hand and say, Dwayne, I want to know about this Jesus. Father, for every believer here today, let the Word of God become a priority. I know we live crazy, busy lives. Someone said that if Satan can't get you to sin, he'll just get you busy. And that probably will lead to sin. So help us to fall in love with you deeper. Help us to fall in love with your word deeper. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. Amen. Let's stand and sing as the team has a song for us this morning.